0: All right, Kev, we were just talking weird to see you with the sunlight here. We are here on Monday, usually I say Monday night, but Monday, like late afternoon, early evening, trying to sneak this in before the Boston Celtics hopefully take care of business. I know the last time we were here, we were sort of for, you know forewarning that the Celtics were going to beat the Hawks. They did not in that game, even though they closed out business, but weird to see you in the d- daylight. You still look good. What's going on, man?
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, uh doing pretty good. Uh unfortunate end to the Bruins season last night. So I watched that unfortunately, but um you know, hopefully the Celtics can have a little bit better luck. And um yeah, some good golf as well. I enjoyed watching. I watched quite a bit yesterday the final round. Um obviously they went off in the you know, group three group of three with John Rahm, Tony Finau and um Akshay. So I was pretty um Impressed with Finau, obviously, but impressed with Akshay as well. Uh thought he showed some some good composure. I don't know if you got a chance to catch any of that
0: yesterday or not, but I admittedly did not see a lot of the golf this weekend with with the sports that were going on. And I also have a great story of my own for where I was on Saturday. Um which you know what? I gotta just get off my chest while we while we hit it. So all right, right let's hear it. Week, last week we talked about the things that you can do on a golf course. That would really upset me. And somehow I think I was at an event that hit every single point that we made in terms of frustrating things. I was at a scrambled tournament on Saturday at Swansea Country Club, which we've played many times in those tournaments, and they've always been awesome. And they always mix around the format to either have, um, you know, sometimes uh, a few holes scramble, a few holes best ball, a few holes you know Texas scramble, some big cups, some like you know some other odds and ends. Um, this one was different, and this one was you know you were talking about you know rounds that will stand out uh, in your memory as like your favorite rounds ever. This for me will be at the top of my list of rounds that will be notorious in my mind for rounds that I'll never forget. Uh, the opposite way, it was a a foursome scramble. I played in the co-ed division um, because my brother wanted to play with his wife. My dad was in great group, all good. Um, we get to the tournament. The tournament tees off in two foursomes um, per every hole. So eight people playing every hole, which like if you're talking about pace of play things and uh, you know getting in a rhythm and being ready to play and all the things that I sort of touched on, it disobeyed Every single one, a six hour round in a scramble group co-ed tournament with another group, God bless their heart. Um, But four of like the worst golfers I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, One like really short, fat Italian dude who just like, if you picture like my stereotype and just like bring it to the, bring it to a 10, like this guy hit everything. But point being, there it was not uncommon. In fact, it was pretty much every hole where we would all tee off. And that's eight tee shots, mind you. Um, And then we'd have to wait for two more of their scramble shots before hitting our next shot. And I can't tell you if anything will get you into a rhythm, like hitting your tee shot and then hitting your next shot 17 minutes later. You know, that's what I was dealing with all day. Was not thrilled about it. Did not play good golf myself. Um, and just, yeah, like, I don't know what that idea was, but if you're listening to this Swansea, like never again, try that format, please. Eight people is too many. And I don't even think it's like the group you're playing with. Cause I was even thinking about it. Like if I had seven of my best friends playing on a hole, I still wouldn't want to wait for seven shots in between each of mine. Um, so yeah, I, I feel a lot better now that I've sort of unloaded that, but just like unacceptable format this weekend. And uh, yeah, set the tone to come home and, and, you know, watch the Bruins blow it last night in like a, you know, a Patriots 18 and one style choke job. And, And all in all, just like a pretty terrible like sports weekend. But, you know, hopefully we turn that around starting tonight.
1: Yeah, yeah, eight people off the same tee is uh is wild. I've never heard of it. I've heard we were texting about it a little so I was trying to get some clarification on it. Obviously, we've played tournaments there, you know, where they do like an A and a B group where they do start eight people on the same hole, but then the A group obviously finishes the hole before the B group starts. This was just eight people playing at the same time. And you wonder why like why. But it's probably just to drive up the like the entry so fees, I guess. or I don't... What
0: they gave, which is invalid, is that there'd be less waiting. People complained about waiting on the tee boxes. And in fairness, there was very little waiting on the tee box after you hit your shot, of course, because then there had to be seven others. But instead of that, there was just a shitload of waiting in the fairway. So, like, thanks for that. And if you, like, sort of picture, like, the logistics of a scramble, you got four carts going on the same hole. And where you know, I drive the ball further than these old people. So, like, we're in front of them. We don't know where they're hitting their next shot from who are their dudes hit it 10 inches off the tee. So are we like re-teeing now? Are you going to get your ball? So we don't know where to park the carts. And, you know, then we have to wait for their two shots, which are again, eight total shots to go off. And now we have to actually like do our job too, which is get to our ball, pick all of ours up and then, you you know, figure out our yardages and stuff like that. So just like, like I said, if you're trying to pick like a way to eliminate slow play and, um you know not having cell phones out and all that stuff like this was not the way to do it and i just like shame shame on that country club for for doing that to me this weekend
1: yeah um yeah if you've never played a scramble before one of the interesting elements that that sort of format brings to life is there is a lot of communication that needs to happen, you know, like amongst the team members, obviously, like everyone needs to come to co- to a consensus about like what the best shot is to play, which like usually that's a pretty easy decision until sometimes when you get around the green, maybe um, when it comes to like pots or chips. But with this format, it sounds like then also you're needing to compete with or to excuse me, communicate with a competing team in terms of like who's going to go. And that just sounds right. very Uh, very frustrating because yeah that's just not something that you want to have to do and if there's eight people in four cards like yeah i I could just see that it's an it's an aspect that just adds time and when you're communicating with your team members like those are obviously people that you've chosen to be there with and play with and people that you are have communicated with in the past and they're your friends more than likely although and then having to, to communicate with complete strangers who you're also you know like trying to be as well uh, seems not
0: ideal. Yeah, be- beating them was not the issue. I-, I know there were multiple par threes that took them two scramble shots to get to the green, and there were multiple par fours that took them four shots, four scramble shots to get to the green as well. So, you know, like putting for bogey in a scramble as your first putt, not not common in a scramble just because there's so many opportunities to hit a good shot. But for them, it was like, and again, no fault of their own, just like not good players. So we were the last maybe the last people off the course at a blazing six hour PGA tour pace of, of a scramble tournament, which was, which was pretty rough, but yeah, like, like shame on them. And uh, hopefully, you know, they do, they do great events and I'll still go back, but like, I know for sure now I'm going to have to say like, Hey, are you running the stupid eight sums again? Because if so, I want no part of that whatsoever. Um, And even like, you know, thankfully, This wasn't a super competitive thing. Like, I don't take a lot of pride in winning the co-ed division. We did not win the co-ed division, by the way. But I would not have taken, you know, a ton of pride in winning the co-ed division. But in, you know, I can't imagine sitting there, like, trying to grind out and actually win an event and be stuck with these clowns. And, like, again, like, I, I timed it one time. There was a hole that took 17 minutes between shot one and shot two for us, which is just it's crazy. That's a three hole pace. Was normally. it the second? Was it the second hole? It was not the second hole. It was the, let me try to go back the 16th, which is that super dog leg, right? Yeah, so if you okay. picture that hole, all four of their shots were out of bounds to begin <laughs> with. So they dropped one wherever and then cut the dog leg with their second shot. And then we're short of the green on their third shot. And then we're on there too. So it's just, it was rough from there and it just uh, it made for a very slow day. I know it was not well received, so I can't imagine that would be back back in play. But again, a, a lot of shame, a lot of shame. Um, but yeah, speaking of pace of play, this is a good transition into the Mexico. I know we touched on it a little bit. Um, I know I I said I didn't watch a lot and I didn't, but I did read on Twitter one time, like on Sunday, it was like John Rom Tony Finau threw the first three holes in a crisp, like, two hours or so I don't know if that's probably an exaggeration but I know that round was creeping through too so I you watched more than me what are your big takeaways from the Mexico Open Tony big tone comes through with his W which is always good to see but any larger themes you're taking
1: um yeah no it was, I thought it was good I I uh, was happy to see Tony get the win. I mentioned, touched on a little bit previously, but um, I, again, I'm very impressed with Akshay. If you don't know much about him, just 21 years old. Um, you know, he has like special temporary membership, not a full, P- on, sorry, that's my dog, uh, not a full member on the PGA tour um, yet, but we'll, we'll be soon. Uh, and yeah. So there was a, he played the second hole, got into a little bit of trouble off the tee, you know, obviously playing in that group with Ram and Fina would have been, You know, we we texted about it earlier. It would have been an easy spot for him to sort of, you know, kind of just shy away and sort of crumble. And he, he, he went a little wayward off the tee on two. Uh, had to lay up with his second shot. So he's trying to scramble um, and he hit it to like eight feet and just made a really impressive par putt. And, and from there, I, I, he sort of, you know, made made a bunch of birdies after that and, you know, not enough to win, obviously, but um, but a strong showing, which I was impressed with. Uh, and then the cuts, sweat I have to touch on oh, as well. So
0: I, I have it written down. Has there been a better one this whole crazy, season? Crazy, crazy. So every
1: week what I do is Ed, Ed and I are involved in two pools, obviously the one that we run and then a much larger one. So I go through, all of the ownership on thursday when the sheets come out and i go and star every single player that's owned in both pools uh and then i just track obviously who's close to making the cut or who's not etc etc so in uh, between thursday and friday it, it was kind of a weird swing so gary woodland got off to i believe a minus four day uh and then really struggled on friday um ended up making the cut on the number Wyndham Clark also even crazier. So he had to, um, he had to scramble on on as well
0: after the first had him this week. So I know, I know his distinctly, he was in dead last place before the PM wave of the first day dead last. Yeah. And then
1: I believe I texted this to you as well, but he had to make a 13 foot putt on 18 to make the cut on the number, which he did. Uh, A stat I heard today, which is interesting too, the two players that have the longest streak of consecutive made cuts are Wyndham Clark and Sahith uh, Thigala, both at 15 consecutive made cuts. Wyndham obviously made it on the number this week. Sahith did uh, did not play. Uh, But yeah, just crazy, crazy to see that. I mean, those two guys were probably the chalkiest highest own in all like DFS one and ones throughout the golf uh, sort of world. And For them to both make the cut on the number, I mean, we went, I believe there's something around 40 people left in our larger pool. We were looking at, like, half the field getting chopped if both those guys miss, And then to have them both make on the number and then not a single person get cut was just a crazy, crazy swing. So, yeah,
0: yeah, it was was up and down. I was was following just like you were, obviously. And our pool would have basically ended – had a shot of, like, basically ending during this tournament too at one point because I know Hogard was sort of struggling, although he got it together – but Woodland and Clark, to your to your point, on the 18th, both needing birdie to make. And Woodland, you know, sort of was snatching a miscut from, you know, comfort. But Clark, the, the other way, was at no point looking like he was going to make the cut and then sort of got hot on the second day. But again, needed a 13-footer to make it on the last hole. Uh, Gary Woodland did not have a tester with his birdie putt on that par five to close. But again, needed birdie on the 18th to make the cut. And, you know, like you said, knocking out would have knocked out every survival pool I can think of in that weak field. Those were two of the most popular names that, you know, I don't know when you're going to be using those guys again. So that was the week to burn them. And they almost really did a number on uh, the majority of pools. Um, they certainly did a number on my betting account. I know I was looking at the bets I made last week because I'm trying to hold myself accountable a little bit. Not my best, not my best. Uh, Luke list permanently on the do not bet list until further notice. I guess that doesn't make him permanent, but I'd say mostly permanent, Um, you know, missed the cut. So I'm just going to take a lump there and, you know, fool me once. Shame on me. Fool me 800 times this season. Like at some point you got to make an adjustment and I can promise you will not be hearing his name, hopefully (laughs) for a long time. Um, Maverick McNeely, I thought he would miss the cut, made the cut another bad one. Hogard thought he would win the tournament, obviously did not. The Only one I hit was Alex Smalley to miss the cut at a little under two to one. So that salvaged a little bit of dignity. But I will say, uh, I was going back and listening. Your fade last week, Tony Finow to miss the cut. Was gonna, if there's a bigger I was gonna
1: say, at least you didn't fade the winner of the tournament. But what I, I'll say that, you know, uh it's so this would have been just absolute, ultimate, hilarious move, which I've touched on this. <laughs> a little bit but i was actually very close to then taking tony in the survivor oh, last week just for like the story and like the content and ended up not doing it of course but if i had taken him and he won uh just would have been amazing to me but i i think obviously like just taking away all credibility of my picks and i i'm not I mean, i'm really not i joke about doing this but i really am not intentionally giving out good or bad picks i'm trying to give good picks obviously uh, but the, my fades of the week, I just haven't really put time into looking for them. So basically what I do is I say, okay, like put on the spot. I'm going to pick a guy up at the top of the board. And if I have to take a stab, I'm going to take someone in the top five, yeah. and, uh, you know, try to be bold, but that, yeah, it's going to burn you sometimes. So
0: yeah, I will say I'll, I'll credit with this. First of all, if you, uh, if you hop off now, remember what happened last time I said to start fading me. So I, you know, we may, we'll be able to to pick this up going forward. But I just find like very little fun in betting like really small odds golf. Like I'm looking at the number for this week and I'm looking at like, you know, do you want to bet Rory McElroy to make the top 10 at, you know, one-to-one money? That's no fun. I want the big hitters and that's sort of the strategy that I take. Like I want to be at least two, three, four or higher to one to bet because it's just more fun that way. Um, but you're going to have swings like this and this was certainly uh you know, not a week that I'm super proud of in terms of in terms of the bets, but I'm very happy to get those two, you know, survivor picks through and we're just going to regroup at a at a more uh, traditional tournament with a more traditional field. So unless you have any other lingering thoughts on the Mexico, let's um let's yeah. get into the Wells Fargo. You got yeah, an interesting interested.
1: You touched on Rory a little bit interested, interested to see where people go with him this week because uh, we'll get into it later, but. His history at Quail Hollow is, I mean, unmatched, like That's incredibly, special. incredibly strong. Obviously, he's had like the sort of hot and cold, like Jekyll and Hyde sort of performance here these last six weeks. Like, obviously, I mean, the, the two that stand out is the miscut of the players, miscut at the Masters. But, you know, he had the he played well at the Mash play, played well at um the api i think had like a runner-up finish or something so you know but that's what it is like top i'm not gonna bet rory to top 10 ever probably ever in my yeah, life Yeah, it's just not so fun, so
0: fun really. he's gonna
1: he's gonna win the tournament or he's gonna miss the right. cut apparently if, if recent history tells us anything so right
0: right so we're back we're, like you sort of alluded to we have we have another event with a course now that sort of signifies this event like we've played at quail hollow here a lot um, that's where we're playing this week. It's a par seventy-one, just over seventy-five hundred yards. So another long track here, um, but this has been, you know, traditionally held in the same spot, um, North Carolina course. I believe. Um, so you got guys that not only, you know, we're, we're at a designated event. Should have mentioned that off the top. So twenty million dollar purse. Um, you know, you're going to have a strong field here, and you're going to have a lot of course history to go off. So you sort of have a good sample to choose from. Um, so I thought we'd touch on the course. And then I do have some like cool storylines for this week to sort of just think about, you know, what we're looking at in terms of the field and who we like and who we don't, and then obviously we'll finish up with our picks. Um, but when I was sort of researching the course, the first thing that every, you know, everything I'm reading, tough track, tough track. It's uh, it's long, it's very punishing. Um, you know, it's got tree lined fairways everywhere, and from what I've read, a lot of the bunkers in the fairway are sort of purposefully put in like purposeful landing zones for players so fairway bunkers will come into play it is a long track and when you're sort of correlating you know do you want bombers or do you want dudes are going to keep it in the fairway there there really isn't a super correlation because players of both styles have gotten it done um i think you know it's easy to say you want a bomber that is also accurate like wow that's the stunning analysis there um but more of more of a, a sort of importance put on on long iron play more than um, more than shots off the tee. So I'm looking for that for sure. And then something to look at in this course, I have the numbers in front of me. Uh, the toughness. There there are five holes only on this course that have a greater than fifteen percent birdie rate to them, and there are thirteen holes that have greater than a fifteen percent bogey rate. So players are going to be dropping shots a lot this week. So you know maybe you're looking for a guy who maybe has a A higher floor and less of a ceiling if you're taking them to just miss or make the cut. Um, But yeah, when you're you're looking to the winners, you're going to need somebody who can do it all. And then finally, the last thing that I sort of am going to pay attention to, I I sort of like fun stretches of holes. The Green Mile is a part of this course, you know, a a great movie, uh, of course, but 16, 17 and 18 are called the Green Mile. And the birdie percentage for those three holes is under 9%. So uh, again, uh, a place where uh, a lot of action is going to happen. It's always fun when it's the closing stretch, Um, but a tough test for sure. But, but one that guys have played before and have a pretty good record of either passing or failing that test. Are you, are you seeing about the same thing when you're looking at quail hollow?
1: Yeah. So a couple of things to note, uh, obviously it is nice to get back to an event. We're familiar with the course. There are two years in recent history where this tournament was not played. Last
0: at year this being course. last right? Yeah. Now that yeah, I say
1: so last last year was not beat due to the president's cup being played there. And then I believe it was 2017 when the PGA championship, they played at two other courses, but every year, every other year for like the past 10, 15 years, whatever it happens to be has been at this course. Um, what else? Yeah. So um, interesting. So the, one of the guys that I, I follow a lot of his stuff, He does a lot, he's very um, stat correlated. And a couple things that you mentioned uh, sort of align with what he was talking about. Number one, uh, guys are going to drop shots here. And so one of, uh, one of the things he does is run like a, a statistical model based on the course. And then look at which stats are correlating uh, strongly or or guys that you're looking uh, to perform well in certain stats, if that makes sense. One stat that really popped for him uh, this week, which does not usually pop up was like bounce back percentage. Um, And I think what that means, if you're going to correlate that to anything is just that, yeah, like guys are going to drop shots here and you want, players who are going to be able to bounce back on the next hole or, or come back and make a birdie after making a bogey, if that makes sense. So it's not going to rattle them in other words. Um, and the other thing is once he figures out what the key stats are, he, he basically runs a model ranking all the different players. The, the top guy in the model or the top three are the top three on the betting board, but in an interesting order, Cantlay actually ranked out number one uh, and then Rory and Finau two and three which is interesting he sort of made the point that like you know can't obviously a ton of negative press around him <laughs> recently for the slow play but has sneakily you know sort of been playing uh, some very good golf he has i believe only one miscut uh this season it was like back in january something like that uh maybe early february so um interesting to see again like where people go to if you had to ask me like where my confidence lies and i have had to pick like one Can'tley or Rory, a guy that I'm, like, safer with. I don't know about to win the tournament, but I'm going to side probably with Can'tley. I think. Um, And I don't know where people are going to sort of land on that. Finau, obviously, I love and and rates out well as well. Don't know how – I mean, he's won, I don't know how many times now, five or six on tour. So should be – it's not like it's, you know, his first win anymore. But
0: um, I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts are. It'd be good to see him win one of the big events and and sort of, yeah, when I'm looking at, like, the players, like, the first thing that jumped out at me – uh, no rom no scotty both this will be one of the designated events that they're allowed to skip i know i believe we're in texas next week so scotty will be playing that and then john rom just played in mexico in that week field so i think that's why he's taking that off um the the other thing that jumped out to me i know this is a designated event and it's supposed to be you know a star-studded field but i just felt a little dull with this and i almost feel like now that they've almost like a oversaturated these designated events like early in the season like we had a run of so many strong fields in a row I'm almost like yeah this is just like how it goes now a little bit and obviously we'll get to a lull in the season where it's not going to look like this but for right now I'm just like ho-hum another star-studded field that's great that's just how golf is and what I'm really looking forward to now is when Liv gets involved that's where the hype is for me I just felt like yeah, we're a little watered down maybe with an overexposure of all the good players all at once where it doesn't feel quite as special to me. Like I you know, I'm reading the field and I'm like, "Holy shit, it's a strong field." Oh, it's a designated event. That's why. Like I didn't even realize this is one of the big time money events just because we've had so many in a row. It just doesn't feel quite as special uh to see all these guys when you've seen yeah, them I
1: think in like recent years, like to your point, you would have said this was an incredibly strong field basically. Right. But now that we're getting these designated events, the the bar is just so high that obviously this field's like a, like to this point in the season, we've had like either incredibly strong fields on the one end of the spectrum, or we had incredibly weak fields. And this is lies like somewhere in the middle where it's still on the stronger side, uh, but doesn't, you know, obviously doesn't match up with some of the stronger fields that we've seen um, up to this point. So yeah, we'll see. Um but I don't know. Yeah, so not not having Rahman and Scheffler is uh, makes things interesting up at the top of the board because you know uh, it's nice for them to let someone else win a tournament maybe That's here. Nice. So it's cool, right?
0: <laughs> they are nice guys. But yeah, yeah, you're looking at you're looking at Rory on top, and then sort of like the th- other thing I was looking at is I'm really confused on like we have some guys, and I'm looking at two in particular in Rory and Max Homa who have great history at this course and courses like it. Uh, But both in pretty poor form. And you mentioned Rory's history. He holds the the 72 hole record and the 18 hole record at Quail Hollow, Um, but he has been playing shady golf recently. So I I don't know how much confidence you put in him. Like, again, I I say this every time, but it feels like he has too much game to miss a cut, but he keeps missing cuts. So I'm really conflicted as to like just those two in particular. Like, I like some other guys just, just on their own. But those two in particular should be like favorites for this type of track, um, but are both like very, very sketchy. Like Holmes missed a few cuts, didn't really contend at the majors, missed the the, the two-man tournament cut with Morikawa. And I I just don't know if I would trust them here. But yeah, I was looking at who I like. And again, I'm sort of um, lenient toward like long iron, like ball strikers here. I won't be taking Rory but somebody that sort of popped off the, the betting board for me is just being a little too low for my comfort was Sungjae Im, who's, who's way down, who has been like in a scorching run of form recently. No wins, but has been like in contention. And to see him like below, um, you know, guys like Justin Thomas and Matt Fitzpatrick. And I know Fitz has sort of come around recently, but JT really hasn't shown his A game for a while. Um, to see him below there, um, and just, you know, on par with with Homa, given his run of form, just feels a little undervalued to me. So I'll definitely be checking in on him at 25 to one. I, I don't know if I can endorse him as a full pick at that price, but um, even his five and a half to one for top five looks very appetizing. That may be where I sort of settle on him. Um, but, you know, looking at the field, who jumps out at you immediately? You know, we'll go yeah, one um, on one, I guess.
1: Yeah, I like... I like Victor Hovland, Mm, um, as well, 20 to one. So he's probably the top, the guy, the guy in the top five. Well, I I like, I'll say I like Hanley too. Uh, so, but in the two guys in the top five, uh, those are the two that I'll probably, uh, would probably gravitate towards. And then looking a little bit further down, I like Song Jae as well. Um, Ricky Fowler is another one. It's just been an incredible 2023 season. Um, had a great, great result with the players. Um, and I believe, and recently again, um, I I forget his finish at the masters, but, uh, his his game has been been trending.
0: Wasn't there. So right. Correct.
1: (laughs) Next year, next year. Um, but yeah, as a season, been having a strong season, um, and sort of like where his game has been going, looking a little bit further down the board, um, I like Taylor Moore. You know, he got the win uh, earlier this year. I believe that was at the Valspar. Um, and he seems to have everything that sort of going to fit this course, like a long hitter, um, good, as you mentioned, good with his long irons. Uh, so I sort of like where, where his game is trending as well.
0: Yeah, if I'm looking again, just like guys I'm considering up near the top, I don't, I don't think I really want to touch the very top of the board. But uh, Sam Burns, a name that sort of I've dragged a little bit earlier in the year because he wasn't playing very well, but has sort of really rounded out his form recently. And, and you know, if we're talking about Sam Burns a game, it does fit this course quite well and just this style where he hits the ball a long way. He doesn't miss a ton of fairways, although when he was getting in trouble earlier this year, that's what he was doing. So I'm sort of hoping that he stays sort of in this good form that he's been in the last few weeks to, to endorse him to do that. And then Cam Young. Uh, 22 to one, I've mentioned him many times because he's one of my favorite golfers to watch. But if you're talking about an accurate bomber and a place where maybe putting won't make the biggest difference and short game won't make the biggest difference in a week, like maybe a week to play him. I know he's at 22 to one, I believe. I, I like that price to win the tournament. Um, and if we're going down the board, um, a name that I like saying, and I like watching this dude because he wears a visor on the course. I don't know how, too many others that do that. Only a couple, Bo Hostler at 150 to 1 to win. I don't think that's a reasonable price, but top 10 at 12 to 1, I sort of like. Um again, another long hitter who's been in decent form recently, uh Taylor Pendrith, another to uh, 200 to 1 to win. I don't think you're getting that price there, but you know, 14 to 1 to finish in the top 10, just another long long hitter who played well last week, um, you know, made the cut, tailed off a little bit on Sunday, but was in contention for sure uh Thursday and Friday. Um yeah. Pretty, pretty interested in this style to see, Um, you know, it's the first time in a while where we've had to think about, like you sort of mentioned like the bounce back, like I-, I call it like the high floor, like error minimization guys. I just look at a name, like I look at a name like Terrell Hatton and I just think of what we were talking about, but the opposite of that, like somebody who could let a double bogey sort of creep into the rest of his round. JT has sort of been susceptible to that a little bit. Um, you know, Keegan Bradley, uh, I'm just, you know, sort of scrolling down Are volatile dudes. Like this is, this is a week where with this test, of course, I'm looking almost, you know, when I'm picking a guy to miss the cut, I'm looking definitely more at a higher floor than a higher ceiling. I, I just want as little volatility as possible, um, with the game to still actually make some birdies and be able to, you know, to make up for some of those shots that dudes are definitely going to drop this week.
1: All right, I like that. Yeah. Uh, Bo Hostler and Keith Mitchell, the visor guys on tour. That's <laughs> right.
0: I couldn't think of a third, but I know, I know Killer Keith has one and I know Beau has one as well. So yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. And I like, I like Cam Young as well. Obviously he, he's been interesting though. Sort of like after this, first. I believe he had an issue with his driver, I think at like Riviera, he, his driver like failed a test or something on one of those courses. And then he got, He got it fixed. We got a different driver. And ever since then, he's been playing like lights out, I think. So definitely like him as well. Um, Looking a little bit further down, I like Patrick Rogers. He was very chalky this past week. Um, Didn't get off to the hottest start, but I believe he improved uh, every single round that he played this week. And on Sunday shot like a a pretty low round to, I don't know exactly what his finish was, but I think he might've been top top 10, top five, something like that. Um, so he's another guy that I sort of looking at a little bit further, uh, down
0: the board. And... I'm looking at, uh, as we're speaking, I'm looking at just some top 40 plays to see if I can find one. And my guy, Luke list is there. And I'm just like, mm, the price is disrespectful. <laughs> Do I say it again? And I'm not, I'm not going to say it again. What's the number? It again. It's 175 to be top 40, but I'm not doing it. <laughs> but below him. Uh, a sneaky top forty play. I don't know. We don't. I know we don't give out a ton of these, but I like Cam Champ at two uh, two ten to go top forty, um, just because he played exceptionally well last week. And this is not a course that's going to be you know putter and short game focused. Like it is more driver and long iron focused, and he hits the shit out of the ball. Um, so maybe he'll find uh, a little bit of form to just make the cut, and then from there, you know, if you make the cut, it's just like two or three shots from the cut line to the top forty. So. 210 is sort of a price that I like there, but yeah, Luke list. I'm going to stay away from it. I'm just going to, I'm just going to scroll up and get away from his name and just like end that temptation right there.
1: Yeah. I saw you, I saw you cracking up on the screen over there. I was wondering
0: why. I was like, why is he, has anybody watched this dude play golf? Like I have for the last like 12 weeks or however many episodes we've done and keeps putting him on the board, like below some of these guys, like he's above Hendrith. He's above champ. He's above like Aaron Rye who's really good. Like, I don't, I just don't see that. But again, you don't, you know, you can look at the price and you can like not bet it. And I think that's what I have to do this week to, to just keep my sanity.
1: Um, yeah. A couple, we've had said the last couple of weeks, we've seen a f- bunch of uh, young guys. I mentioned Akshay in this past week. And then of course we had uh, Hardy and Riley did not, you know, withdrew from the field because they won the previous week at the Zurich. Uh, but Hardy's a t- 200 to one. Um, so he's a player. I'm looking to, you know, I was looking at the beginning of the season, to have a pretty pretty strong year this year So hope, hoping to see him sort of uh, continue his success as well. So he's another one I'm looking at like further on down the board. I mentioned last week, I had high hopes for um, Gary Woodland, you know, he about near gave me a heart attack with his performance this week, especially on Friday afternoon, but his this putting was just so poor. Even I was watching his round on Friday and, like he's making these like five foot birdie putts, but they're like the kind that you, he looked like me putting like a five footer. Like you're, you're like that thing hits the flat stick and, and you're like holding your breath, like on one foot, like willing it yeah. to like just break in the side of the hole. Like th- these were not confident strokes. So I don't know. It didn't make me feel the best, you know, going yeah.
0: on. Yeah. And if, if Finau can putt well on a course and Woodland can't, you know, that's, co- that's cause for concern. Um, <laughs> But yeah, you got any, uh, my favorite segment of the week, the, uh, the fades of the week, which as we learned this week, have a double meaning. You can hit a fade shot and you can hit a fade embedding. So, uh, I know who said that if you're listening, this is a little special shout out. Thank you for listening. And thank you for taking our knowledge onto the course. Um,
1: yes, that's, so I told, I texted Eddie that story. That is my girlfriend, Natalie. So she, yeah, she listens to every episode, um, I don't think she she's learned she it's I, I can remember the phrase <laughs> exactly when we had Eddie's wife Katie on it was uh exposure therapy and that yep. is what Natalie is getting as well a little bit when she I joked that she just loves to sit down and watch golf on Sunday afternoons. so that's what we do but um but yeah so fade you know fade from the betting perspective meaning obviously going against but then also a shot in golf she's like oh yeah like what does that fade mean? You know, like a, a bad fade. shot. Not he a... says fade a lot. On the <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's his favorite. Uh, that's his favorite category. And for me, I'm going to give you a fade and you should bet him outright. So if, if recent history tells us anything. <laughs> so good. I'm going to go with my fade. Of the, I'll, I'll start this week. Um, I am going to go with Jordan Spieth, I think. So mm-hmm. at first glance, you know, he he's been playing very well this year. I will say that his off the tee game is always a little bit, uh, worrisome. I don't think, uh, you know, I just, I'm just worried that like, if he goes wayward off the tee and with this call, this course being so long that it's going to be difficult for him. Nobody's better at escaping from trouble than he is, but it's going to be difficult for him to sort of, make birdies obviously, and then even say par in, in, in many situations. So if I had to pick somebody in sort of the top 10 of the odds boards, he was probably
0: be my guy. Yeah. That's, that's a good little pick too, because if you're talking about like a guy who can let a couple bogeys sort of derail his round, like he's, he's in the quarter category as well. Um, but also a guy who can make three bogeys in a row, make a birdie and then rattle off like seven birdies in 12 holes after that. There's, there's nothing, there's nothing not volatile about speed, but it always ends up being pretty good. So in case you're interested in fading K-Mac for his his curse, he's at a uh, 20 to one to win the tournament, in case you're interested in that price. Um, my fate of the week is going to be right below him in the odds, and it's Matt Fitzpatrick. And my my reasoning for that, and, and you know, I'm looking at him and he sort of fits like the low, uh, high floor, low ceiling guy for me. So it's against all my intuition. But that run of a form that he had in the beginning of the season where he was, you know, struggling to play at like a corn fairy tour level is still in the back of my brain. I know he's had a few good weeks in a row where he looks like the major winning Matt Fitzpatrick is sort of back. Um, but I need to see it just one more week. So in this field with a difficult course, give me, you know, his sort of early season struggles and hope that they, um, they come back. The, uh, the odds to make the cut are not out yet, but you know, if he's in the top 10 you know favorites, I'm thinking maybe three, three and a half to one to miss the cut. And for me with, you know, the, the shaky form, not far enough in the rear view, um, you know, that'll be the guy that I sort of will, will bet against this week. And if you're interested in fading me 22 to one to win the tournament for fits. So I don't know what direction you guys want to go. Um, but yeah, I, I like him just, uh, not, you know, we're talking about guys that can rattle off seven birdies in 12 holes. Like he's just not that guy. Like he's a grinder, um, is never going to be too far out of contention except for early this year. But, again like not a guy who can get hot and just rattle off birdie after birdie especially on a course where you can't really do that regardless because of the difficulty. So that'll be my fate of the week and we'll see how uh, how that um how that pans out.
1: All right. I like it. Cool. Got anything else?
0: No, dude, that's a nice clean one. You know, we got a, uh, an hour to the Celtics here where you know just under the 40 minute mark. I love uh, I love sort of, you know, hitting it hitting it nice and clean a little story time, a little recap, a little preview, some picks. And then we get out of here. That's how we give do it. Uh,
1: give me your prediction for the Celtics series. What we so I, I told you
0: I told you earlier, and I'll just tell the viewers, I was in an uncomfortably mediocre balance in my DraftKings account. Um, so I have everything on the Celtics tonight in many different ways. Um, they're nine and a half point favorites because I don't think Embiid is going to play. I took them at nine and a half. I took the Tatum double-double. I took the Al Horford double-double, which was decent um, because he, you know, a little revenge game for Philly there. Um, and I know DraftKings has a lot of these like pre-cooked, um, you know, like same game parlays. And if you see any of them with all Celtics, I'm on all of them tonight. So, you know, if the Celtics lose this game, you're going to get an angry podcast next week because I will be out of money. Um, but hopefully I can do a little nice double up and get a comfortable balance. Like nobody wants to sit in like just a, you know, we're we're not killing it here, but we're not quite out of money either. So I want to make the decision easy for myself to either reload or just stop. But yeah, we got to go one direction or the other tonight. All right. I like that. All right. right, Cool, man. Everybody enjoy the golf and we will, uh, we will see you next week.